UX Podcast is funded by me and Per, together with contributions we get from you, our listeners. Help support UX Podcast and the UX community by contributing financially to keep the show running. Visit uxpodcast.com slash support and contribute as much as you can. UX Podcast episode 240. I'm Pat Axbom. And I'm James Roy Lawson. This is UX Podcast. We're in Stockholm, Sweden, and you're listening in 194 countries all over the world, from the Bahamas to Lithuania. From time to time, we bring you a repeat show. And this is an episode from our extensive back catalogue, resurfacing some of the ideas and thoughts from the past that we believe are still relevant and well worth visiting. We had the opportunity to chat to Lisa again when we were at um, UXLX in um, June. Um, couldn't, couldn't possibly turn that down. Uh, we sat and we got quite philosophical and we started talking about our responsibility um, as designers during the digital age. It's seriously one of the best conversations about UX I've ever had, I think. You reckon? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, up, up, uh, top 10, Ooh. most certainly. It, it got me thinking about so much uh, that I actually brought back into my blog posts, into my yeah. my how I explain UX to people. I think, to be honest, I think that's true for the, both of the chats we've had with Lisa yeah. this year. This one you're about to hear, mm. and episode 92 earlier in the year. Mm. Um, she's a great thinker. She is. And we're joined, well, yet again, <laughs> by Lisa Welshman. Yes, but in... Person. In person, sitting across from you, it's yeah. awesome. That's right. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I love it. And uh, th- I'm taking my take on this is, is, I'm not bored of talking to Lisa yet. No. So no one else can possibly bo- be bored yet of listening. To and her. we should always bring a microphone as soon as we're talking to Lisa. Actually, is what, what we found. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because I say things. You say things. <laughs> <laughs> what was the quote that you got told off? For? Well, not told no. off yet for, but. Oh, I'm not going to say You're it. You're not going to say it. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> see if I can find it while we're talking. <laughs> No. Um, well, this uh, this um, at this conference, you've um, you've not only done a, a workshop which you had this morning, mm-hmm. um, which centered around digital governance, um, but you also did um, a presentation on the conference day. Um, I did. Are yeah. we architecting the information age? Which I I, I liked. Um, I tweeted that it was kind of a call for arms, uh, a call yeah. to arms for UXers to, to to stand up and um, and make a difference. It was, it, f- it was kind of unexpected. Uh, I didn't know what you were going to be unexpected talking about. Unexpected from me, yeah. or just unexpected? Ex- unexpe- yeah, from from you, because I was sort of thinking about the things we'd been talking about before. But then this was more like, and it m- made me think a lot about. Okay, so you were asking who is accountable for the information design. You were saying we are, and uh, and I was thinking, well, how important is that really? And you were saying, well, we're moving into the information age. And this is going to change everything. I mean, and all of a sudden, this, this stone on my heart, like, yes, Jesus, this is, this is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and we, and I, love, I love the comparison too yeah. to the information, um, to the um, industrial age, and and how we just polluted the hell out of the yeah. the, the earth back then. Somebody decided that fossil fuels was a good idea, or did they? Did anybody stop to think about what we were doing back then? Well, we it mm. was an mm. incremental thing, exactly. right? So we started burning things for energy a long time ago, probably before we called things ages, I would imagine, quite some time before that. So I think it's okay. I think, though, that we should learn from the past, Mm. right, and try not to make the same mistakes. And so 
I think we have a sense of global scope about the world and the nature of the web and the internet is global. So everyone's talking about globalization, but with this technology, it really is true. I mean, things move very quickly across the globe. The amount of news that I get mm. um, about other parts of the world, even from when I was a child, is just immense. I don't have to wait for it to get to the newspaper and move out. So I think that pace really makes a difference. Mm. And so that makes it kind of extra good and extra scary all at the same time. Mm. And it might seem surprising to you that I would be talking about that, but I think um, one of the things that people don't really know about me and the work that I do is that it's not governance that I'm really interested in, it's enabling digital. Mm. And so I kind of hone in on governance because I see it as a blocker, mm. right, for actually doing digital well. So when you think about it from that perspective, I'm very interested in the information age. I'm very interested politically and socially and ethically about what we can do with this technology. So when I see digital teams working in a kind of stupid way, I'm like, that's not good. Mm. We're not going to get good things if we don't get that. So I'm mm. really just trying to remove a blocker. And if it all goes away, I'll move on to the next thing, mm. right? So. Mm. Who um, and there's responsibility too. Um, we, we talked about yesterday, like who um, who is responsible for the for the outcomes from information design, um, and then went on to who is responsible for the consequences of, of bad design or bad information. I think that's that's one of the things that made me start to think about. Yeah, you know, you, oh, the things we do mm. are, are we know sometimes that we're doing stuff. That's like we use phrases like technical debt and, and kind of design debt and things. Yeah, stuff that we that we failed to do, we're leaving it behind and we have to catch up with it at some time in the future, but we never do really. But at the same time, we also talk about other people, other designers and other companies that actually, you see that they don't do any good work at all. They don't think about accessibility. They sort of trick their clients into buying stuff that mm -hmm. they shouldn't be buying. And so there's so many aspects of this. And when you, on stage, asked everybody, are you doing your best work? Uh, that struck a chord with me because I realized I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of us are really sure yeah. if we're doing our best work. Mm. I think we have an idea in our heads about what that might look like and sometimes a little bit of a fantasy or escape exercise around, mm. yeah, I'm doing that because mm. it leaves you mm. in a comfortable place. But um, I think a lot of people are not doing their best work. And as it relates to what you were talking about just ahead of that, which is really about accountability. Mm -hmm. I think as what we do becomes more and more relevant to individuals, as well as mission critical to business, but I care about business, but not so much. I'm really thinking about the individual people that this impacts, you know, you know, a cancer patient getting the right information about how to take care of themselves mm. at the right time, right? And at what point do those things become really connected and really serious. For instance, for a while, telephones seemed like they were this fun to have, nice to have thing. And now um, we're at a place where, I mean, they're going out now, but just think back in the day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Legislation was passed to ensure that everyone could have a telephone, yeah, right? Because it became so critical and important and it became a necessary thing for people to have mm -hmm. in order to function in the world. So mm -hmm. I think some sorts of digital capacity are starting to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. The first and foremost is internet connectivity, mm. right? So UN has declared that access to the internet is a human right. Yeah, which right? is so fantastic. We're nowhere near that, mm. people having global access. Now there's some social anthropological conversations we could mm. have about people who do or may not want to be connected to the internet. But pushing those aside gently for a moment, 
there are people who would like to have access to the internet that can't afford it or mm. that where a business may not think that it's important enough to extend their footprint or profitable enough to extend their footprint to allow that. So I think there's a lot of capacity building around that that's really important for us to really consider and inform the conversation. Mm. So UX going beyond an interface and UX going beyond the entire experience, including influencing and talking about the infrastructure that supports that. So I think that's really important and there's decisions being made around that right now and I don't think people are realizing mm. important things are being thought about. We're thinking about how do you make money on it? You know, how do you do cool mm. stuff with it? But not really, you know, how do you maintain someone's health, right? Or how does someone alert someone that they're ill? So it's interesting. Mm. Don't mean to bum you out. <laughs> no. <laughs> we didn't touch upon this when we were talking about the phone. And on the 100th yeah. episode, we were talking about how phones... Uh, are hard to use for some people and, and it's the aspects of accessibility and do we need to legislate around accessibility because if people are expected to always perform their tasks and right. like mm. like the mun my municipality where I'm involved is okay so nobody ever signs up for daycare on paper anymore everybody right. has it on the computer but nobody, uh, not everybody has access to computers some, right. some people have to go to li the li library and is that fair? Mm. So what are we doing to support that development well and then there's mm. in the, the school there's mm. the school aspect of yeah. that so my son went to school mm. and usu's private school so they can make whatever rules mm. they want but there was requirement when he got to high school that he have a laptop mm. yeah. so i could buy that for him so it was mm. really great and so there's issues around the digital divide yeah. do we actually supply children whose parents can't afford certain types of hardware for them mm. so that they can actually one learn the skills of using that technology mm. right and gain the knowledge and understand how to access knowledge because there's a tremendous advantage for people who learn how to access information, mm. right? And so there's just a lot of sort of philosophical, ethical considerations. And sometimes I feel like those debates take place on a playing ground with politicians and um, people who have political or business motivations, but not those who have digital expertise mm. or actually understand how these systems work and flow or have a design sense, mm. right? And so that's a shame. Right, and I think it's our own immaturity in industry of just kind of thinking of ourselves as makers, like who are sort of being told to make things and we will make things and they will be good, mm. right? But not this kind of thing as architects mm. of an entire experience or of an infrastructure that's going to support a type of experience that might be very broad. Yeah, and we've touched a few times about um, ethics within UX mm. um, when we. Um, uh, we had a chat um, a few weeks ago, and we t talked about um, the persuading. Sometimes when you you have to do maybe some more persuasive techniques on a website to get it to to yeah. create business or to meet business goals, and at times you kind of you want you don't want to be part of it because this is not maybe something you agree with mm -hmm. tricking people mm -hmm. into doing certain stuff. And I think there's a an important aspect of UX is that I think you well in the design work we do we need to have a social responsibility mm -hmm. um, and not not be part of things that aren't maybe morally in line with um, our own personal ethics. Well, and I, that's interesting because there's complexity in that because there's diversity in the UX community. And so there might be some really good or quality UXers that mm. have really good skills, but they don't have the same ethical framework that you yeah. have, right? And that's a shame because I probably agree with you all about how things should go, but we need to understand that from an objective perspective mm -hmm. to support the full spectrum because that's the way the world works, yeah. right? So, and we hope to sign up as many people as we can on our team, mm, yeah. right? But we really need to look at it because I think if we just try to, to form it around one particular viewpoint, we'll lose a lot of people, mm. right? And we'll lose the movement 
sort of the, the full movement of people. So if we can come up with some just general ideas about how things work or where a UXer may be able to provide input in a large system, and then people mm. will have to make individual choices about, I don't want to work on this particular thing because it's not ethical. Mm -hmm. And again, we hope that things get in line. I mean, I hate to say that, it sounds cynical, but I think <coughs> that's how it how it works. No, I, I think, you know, it's right, it's made me also develop the thought just now about how, well, it's the same kind of thing we have when we're talking about the, the, the rise of, of um, more right-wing parties, for example, in, in European mm. politics or even in American politics, and and the thing that, well, you know, take the conversation to them. You can't just shun a group of people That's with right. a certain mm. opinion. And, and now I'm using a very extreme example to, to bring it back to UX, but, mm. but the same thing with, with maybe the UXs who are skilled but maybe not as ethnically developed or right. aware, yeah. then ignoring those projects is not as maybe healthy as throwing yourself into them and standing up for right. a more ethical basis and trying to convince the, the project organization to do it a different way. Actually, the people who, who use the dark patterns, as we call them, and perhaps and, and mar work with SEO and the Black Hat SEO and with marketing poker sites, maybe. Mm. Uh, or pornography. Or yeah. pornography. Yeah. They are actually extremely skilled. They are. They they're are. Extremely they're some skilled. of the yeah. most skilled people. Are exactly. The, uh, they, are, they are the ones using all the right tools, but right. maybe <laughs> for the wrong purpose. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so I think mm. that's always very interesting. And that's mm. been true of every technology adoption. Yeah. I mean, some of the earliest books that came out of the printing mm. press were pornography. Mm. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this is just human nature. And so we don't have to go with that mm. as an individual, but I think we need to be really aware of the array of what's there and that gives that's more of a mandate to actually understand what the dynamic it is mm. and what our skills can do to help influence that dynamic or define that dynamic so that it can be managed mm. right and that's where sort of my sense of objectivity the governance work that I do I almost don't care what people are making I just want the decision making around the making of it to be clear. After that, you can make something either I agree with or I don't agree with, mm -hmm. but you're making it clearly, mm -hmm. right? And so I think this is a similar sort of thing that we really need to apply, which is let's understand what we're doing and what the role of UX is mm -hmm. in the creation of these systems and make sure that we're doing it consistently. And then individuals can decide, okay, I'm gonna work in this arena over in the dark corner, or I'm gonna be <laughs> over here. Or, you know, I mean, this yeah. is just this yeah. is just how it is, right? And then there's a tug of war between yeah. what we perceive as the good and the bad, right? And mm. sometimes what is obviously the good and the bad. But again, that's the nature of reality. That's the way mm. things work. That's always going to be there. And we hope yes. that we win. <laughs> I think the key, one, well, one of the keys, I don't have the answers, <laughs> but is to, to increase more the awareness of everybody's competence and what their actions actually mean in the end. Uh, my example there usually is from accessibility, uh, where I've learned that telling developers that they need to have that alternative text for images, uh, that they need to think about stuff for screen readers or have bigger buttons because people have disabilities which make them not able to move as well as everybody else. Uh, I can tell them that stuff and sometimes they, okay, well, I'll just ignore that because you're telling me how to code basically. But instead, I involve them and show them people using websites and they're like, blind people use websites? That's crazy. And then they, and then, and then, and then they realize, Okay, and then they actually start themselves reading up on, so okay, what could I do differently in the way I code to actually help those people? Because now you've shown me that there are real people over there, and not just you telling me in a specification 
uh, to code, code in a certain way. You make even something more yeah. tangible to, to You're, consider. Uh, that's a theme, actually, that I've <laughs> taken from these days, is that involving more people early on uh, and showing them stuff uh, and making them part of the decision instead of telling them what to do is really key as well. Well, I, I think one of the things, I mean, that tops on a number of things for me, what you're saying, because yes, I agree that that's true. And I think that sometimes in our space, people aren't, aren't very generous with one another, mm. right? And so there's a number of things going on there. One is that any individual person only has a limited perspective. You have a certain number of hours in the day. You have your life experience and the experience of those around you. You come to work, you go home, you hang with your family or friends or whatever, and you have your existence. That may or may not include people with disabilities, right? And if it doesn't, mm. you're ignorant. Mm. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that you don't know. And so mm. I think sometimes we assume that the reason why someone is making a quote-unquote mistake in an area is because they're being aggressive or they don't care. Almost all the time, it's because they don't know. Yeah. It's just ignorance. And so I think having them experience that, I mean, you've seen people be transformed, you know, maybe they were, you know, they give birth to, you know, someone who has a disability of some sorts, or you develop a disability, and all of a sudden, somewhere where you had no sensitivity, you have mega sensitivity. It's just a knowledge piece. And I, I see that a lot, particularly working um, as a black woman in technology, mm just sort of the lack of diversity in general is really not good and it has nothing really to do with discrimination or the things that you might think of it's more like limited perspectives mm -hmm. and that's the real loss mm -hmm. it's like you don't see the world the way i see it and i don't see it the way you see it and so if we don't have enough diversity across the board and that could mean a lot of different things that can be global um, perspective gender perspective you know different types of abilities, ability to, I only speak one language, mm. and you all speak more than one language, right? There's all of this stuff that if we put it all in the pot, we're gonna come up with a really good solution. And so that's really the real loss. The rest of it is kicking and screaming and fighting, and I have my days when I get annoyed because people objectify me or they think about things, but mostly I'm upset because I'm thinking, we're creating an uninformed solution. This isn't gonna be as good as it could be mm. because we're not including all types of people. and so. I think that's something that sort of the UX community could work on by itself, but also as we're looking at the broader picture, considering the diversity of view, because that developer does want to do a good job. I had a similar experience um, once we were working with a client. It was a long time ago, and we were actually working on an information architecture projects. See, I did other things. Mm -hmm. um, and we recorded some testing and videotaped it, and we played it back for the management, and they were just were shouting at the screen, it's right there, mm -hmm. click on it. It's in the <laughs> upper right-hand corner. Don't you see it? You know, it says, <laughs> fill in the blank with a word, I won't tell you what it says, because you'll know who it is. But you know what I mean? And they were just like, but that did it. And so it was like seeing and believing mm -hmm. with your own eyes yeah. really makes a huge difference. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I think we could, just as practitioners, be a little bit more gentle with people. You probably don't know a lot about their job either, right? The specifics of yeah. their job. And mm -hmm. so we have to respect that we have a certain competency that makes us aware of certain things, mm -hmm. right? And so we need to bring that to other people more gently and invite them into the conversation instead of sort of waving our finger yeah. at them, telling them that they're doing a really bad job. Mm. Wow. Excellent. We've That's got a call to arms a great from, summary. Um, <laughs> from Lisa. We've got to go out there and yeah. do be more inclusive and do better stuff. Yeah.
Thanks so much. Great. Lisa. You're welcome. Mm, thank Thanks. You. Mind blown once again. Just listening back to this is fantastic. Uh, and you can tell sort of that I wasn't ready for this conversation. I didn't even know what we were going to be talking about. She surprised us a bit, like I was saying in, in the interview, with what she talked about at the conference, because I was expecting more of a governance uh, uh, talk. But this was really about everything we do and our responsibility, which was amazing. And thinking about it, I've come to realize that she's actually, she's doing UX for the UX world. She's trying to remove the obstacles and the biggest obstacle for the digital world and UX is governance. And, and that's why she's attacking governance. Well, yeah, like she said in the mm. very beginning mm. of, the, of this mm. chat, um, that, that Lisa is, is really interested in enabling yeah. digital to happen. Um, and governance is just what she happens to, to, to see as the blocker, the thing exactly. getting in the way. Uh, it's not the kind of the means mm. to the end. Yeah. It's not like she sets about just doing mm. governance for the sake of governance. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I can... Yeah, it is kind of a bit surprising, but I suppose worth learning and, and understanding with our chats that we've and had with Lisa. Uh, that she's, you, a, she's a real yeah. thinker. She's a pr- she, she is, is, and that makes you <laughs> realize how many preconceptions you have about people and you're putting into one slot mm. and you think that's what they do. Mm. I mean, we've had Luca Rubluski on uh, and he's been the forms guy and then he was the mobile first guy. And so you're always labeled as something, but yeah. it's more, much, much more interesting when we get into these conversations where we actually talk about our profession and on our are we able to be accountable for what we do, which is a really interesting topic to be talking about. Mm. And we talk about it too, uh, well, too seldom, yeah. I want to say. Uh, and, and do we do we bother, or do we care about um, about that as individuals? Mm. You know, do we just close our eyes, get on with it? And are we, are we realizing the impact we're having on society as a whole? That's what I'm bringing into this as well, is mm. people are dependent on technology these days. Really, really dependent. And uh, as Lisa said, which I, I really wasn't aware of, that the UN uh, oh, actually the, had has made an, an, a human right yeah. access to, to the internet. Yeah, which uh, that is, uh, is an immense thing that did happen yeah. um, a while ago when they, they did that. That is now a human right to have access to right. information that is just floating around on, on the thing which we call the internet. Which means all activities that people are doing nowadays, and I was just riding in my car yesterday with my father-in-law, and he was asking, he's 70, and he's asking all these questions about Twitter and social media, because every, everybody's referencing, uh, even in the media that he's reading, like the papers and he's listening to radio, everybody's referencing hashtags and everything all the time. Mm. He, doesn't, he doesn't get it. Mm. Uh, so he's just trying to understand. And what people are just now, even if they haven't had computers for a long time, they have to, like I was mentioning, also re- have to do with the school over a over a digital system. Mm. And what we our responsibility is that these systems they're going to live for a long time. People are going to be dependent on them to live their lives. Mm. Are we taking enough responsibility and pushing ourselves to do our best work? Because that's another thing she asked on stage. Yeah, are, are you doing, you doing your, your best, best work? work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is an excellent question. <laughs> and I think most people said no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, or you was, don't know. Or, well, yeah, yeah, there was a, there was not. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a ma- massive number of people mm. who put their hands up and said, "Yeah, just now I'm mm. doing my best work." And in our profession, um, we always have these excuses that, well, we didn't have enough money, or uh, the developers didn't understand, or the, the requirement specifications are all wrong, and uh, you're pushing too hard to get your people to understand the benefits of UX, but they're not just not understanding it. Mm. Or oh, you so, did the research, mm. but you didn't do the application. Yeah. So uh, you didn't um, apply mm. what you came to as a conclusion mm. or a suggestion. But um, well, what will happen if we don't do our best work? Will people 
uh, burnout. I mean, that's what we talk about when I talk about ego depleting systems is that people really, really feel frustrated to the extent that they actually feel bad about themselselves. Uh, which I know that uh, another guy we talked about a lot uh, on the show and two on the show. Do you want to saw the show? Well, he's oh, yeah. written a book about this, and he's talking. People burn out. They actually uh, go home sick because systems are making them feel worse. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed him a couple of mm. uh, like years ago, and mm. he's the author of um, "Stupid Bloody System." Yeah, in is the English title mm. um, of the book, which is an excellent read. But no, but the, um, I think. Um, Another point that Lisa brought up was was about um, that as an individual you do have a limited perspective, perspective, and you you do have a limited number of hours in the day. So it's impossible for you to know everything. That's right. completely true. I mean, mm. I, I joke about the fact it's impossible to remember everything nowadays. Mm. I mean, there's just so much. So not only is it impossible for for me to remember everything, I can't possibly know everything either. Yeah. <laughs> and and that 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 ignorance mm. doesn't make me or other people fundamentally bad individuals. Yes. And this is such an incredibly important point that, you know, we've, we've just got to remember that people can be ignorant, but still good. Yeah. You know, nice quality people, you know, mm. they're, they're not evil. And uh, it made me reflect listening to that interview again about our attitude often in, in, in projects, in meetings, you know, client um, relationships or whatever, where, you know, people get frustrated or mm. get cross or, you know, uh, it, we we don't get what we want in in, mm. in projects, and mm. and that's that's a huge frustration, um, mm. and that negativity pulls us all down and and stops us from doing our best work and exactly. producing our best projects. Um, but we need to. I, I just love the feeling of patience mm. you get from Lisa. She's mm. talking that you can, you know, take a breath, <laughs> calm down a bit. Remember <laughs> that these people aren't bad. They just right. don't know. Take the time mm. to educate them mm. or to to. Elucidate to to actually explain mm. and and mm. oh, and not it's easier it's easy for me and you to say you know in a podcast sure and but and we've talked to so many people we know about how how hard it is to actually know everything in UX because it's just impossible uh, but also I'm, I loved this discussion about uh, people not uh, or being ignorant or not understanding enough and it makes you realize that perhaps we have a bigger responsibility to not be as hard on people. To actually realize that maybe we don't know everything they know, mm. and so we can't be as hard on them about the things that we think we know that they don't, mm. and and we have a tendency in the UX world, I think, to actually be very harsh about what's the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. This ties into mm. our conversation mm. about um, imposter syndrome yeah. as well, that we're we're all individuals mm. and we have individual mm. knowledge, and you know mm. you, you aren't going to be a clone of of someone else, right? Uh, and that same to remember. Mm about people who are not in the branch mm. that you're delivering to or explaining to, they can't possibly have your knowledge. Exactly. So don't be mad at them. <laughs> Try to help them or assist them or at least be understanding. Like be, be more human about it mm. uh, is, is what she's saying. And I'll be, I'll be the first to admit that I've been on projects where eventually I actually give up. Mm. I succumb <laughs> to <laughs> the culture of the project and I realize, okay, I'll just do my job. I'll not... I'll not stop arguing. I'll do my job and uh, thinking that, well, that's okay. At least at least the client is getting what they want. But in the end, perhaps I'm realizing that the user isn't getting what they should be getting mm. to feel better about themselves and feel better about the product and the service. Uh, and essentially, if you're working with big, huge systems, which are systems that will go out into society and, and be systems that people are 
interacting with for everyday activities like school and health and all those types of services like public transport and when when she was saying are you doing your best work that's when i realized and talking to her afterwards if i don't do my best work in that situation if i do give up and succumb to that feeling of they're, they, they're not going to understand so i'll just stop trying i'll just do these interaction design uh, sketches and be done with it uh, and i'll be happy and i'll get paid mm. uh, but more and more i'll actually try and not give up <laughs> Mm. is what i'm thinking yeah and that's because exactly i'm understanding it, yeah. the impact of what lisa is saying yeah it's yeah mm. we we, mm. we need to be better at standing up and yeah. and you know pushing for what we believe mm. in um it's not going to be easy at times no. um and for some uh, you know depending on how your how your role is i mean whether you're a whether you're in-house or a, or a consultant or you know working for an agency that might put you in quite a difficult situation exactly um so what we need to be working more on is communication and mm -hmm. communication about the worth or the value that we're bringing into a project or anything that we're working with uh, and make sure that people do understand that and understand the processes around it, understand the benefits of working in a user-centric way and the benefits not only to that product and service but to, to the society as a whole. Mm. And maybe mm. if, you don't feel, if you don't feel like you can communicate some of these issues or problems, mm. then talk to a colleague or someone else maybe on the project and, and see if you can you can work a way of communicating it together because mm. it's it's mm. I mean not everyone is as mm. good as each other at, at communicating mm. certain or bringing up certain mm. issues um, or highlighting mm. them or explaining them but um, you know a couple of people together can make a, a big difference perhaps yeah I'll actually be doing a talk uh, in a month uh, for a client where I'll, I'll be criticizing uh, the way the client works. <laughs> oh, uh, and getting paid for it. Well done, Perry. And getting paid for it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the sense that I'm realizing that we're sitting in all these meetings and nobody has the data to back up any of the things that they're suggesting and they fail to prioritize. And what, my, what I'm hoping is that they'll realize that paying more attention to data is going to help them feel better about their jobs because then they'll stop worrying so much about if they're doing the right thing. Because if you pay attention to the data, it will be much easier to realize if you're doing the right thing. Mm. Or if you, I suppose, uh, lifting it a, a bit broader than just data, mm. uh, although I really agree with you, mm. um, if you can create a climate and a culture where um, people's skills are trusted, yeah, or, or opinions are trusted, whether those opinions are based on, on, on um, um, education mm. or on data mm. um, or on life experience. Yeah. That, that, um, you know. And when I say criticize, I'm actually using that <laughs> word perhaps in the wrong sense because I won't <laughs> go, go that hard on them. I'll, I'll probably paint a picture of here's a good way of working and this is why this is a good way of working. Exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. bound to offer <laughs> yeah. them a solution. Yes. I know you're not just Speaking of communication, it's yeah. going hard on, on somebody is perhaps not the best approach. Yeah. Mm. I remember that uh, now we've, um, I've got a flashback mm. to um, um, the workshop I did anyway with Dave Gray um, a few years ago. Um, and one of the exercises he did was the um, exercise where you have to um, be positive in response to someone. So it's it's um it's, right. yeah it's a dream. Mm. It's, you get someone to describe mm. their dream home, mm -hmm. and the first part of the exercise you um you respond to everything they say by criticizing. 
Oh, oh okay. no, but that oh, you don't want it to be kind of you know too sunny at yeah. the back of the house because it'll just get really warm mm. and you won't want to be mm. you know you want to sit outside mm. at the back there you're going to be inside all the time, and then then you go on like this the whole conversation then you switch um, so the second time you do it or rather you switch around and then you reply always with a positive thing mm. oh that sounds fantastic that'd be so sunny at the mm. back of the house and everything uh, okay you could bake in and maybe it's like you know, a little kind of mm. criticism but try always to be positive mm. and with a re- response to it yeah. I've done a, actually, I did a weekend course in, what would you say, improvisation, improvisational theater. Yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> directly translate from Swedish there. Where you, well, you have to improvise. Mm. And if you're interacting with people on stage, you can never, never, never say no or go against what they're saying because essentially the, what you're playing is stops because they don't understand, well, where are you going with that? Because if you stop mm. me mm. In, my, in my step trying to get somewhere, then I don't know what to do. But if you uh, actually embrace that, but maybe steer it in a different direction later on, uh, that will work. Yeah. So you can't stop people in their step. That it's just, it just doesn't work. No. <laughs> Quite right. Mm. Thank you for listening. You can turn off now. Just kidding. This podcast has been a repeat show from our archives. Let us know which of your favorite episodes over the years you think should be repeated. And if you'd like to contribute to funding UX Podcasts, then visit uxpodcast.com slash support. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Hey, James, did you know I decided to sell my vacuum cleaner? No, I didn't, Pat. Yeah, it was just gathering dust. Oh.